This is Sound and Vision on KEXP. I'm Emily Fox. Netpuff, known by the stage name Left at London, has released her first full-length album. This comes three years after her self-titled EP, followed by the EPs called Transgender Street Legend Volume 1 and Volume 2. This new full-length album is titled T-I-A-P-F-Y-H, an acronym for two of the tracks in the album, one called There Is A Place For You Here, the other titled This Is A Protest For Your Heart. This album is an exploration of Left at London's mental health. The music weaves between acoustic indie folk to pop, punk, rock, hip-hop, and electronica, sometimes all within one song. The first track, called Pills and Good Advice, comes off as a rock opera. It's 10 minutes long and seems to have different acts represented by different genres that shift and change throughout the song. All that I have left Pills and good advice. The best way that I can describe this album is like through Pills and Good Advice. Because Pills and Good Advice is meant to kind of sum up the album. It's sort of like, uh, you know, you know, in Romeo and Juliet, there's like somebody that goes on stage at the beginning and goes like, here's everything that's about to happen in this play. I'm going to spoil the whole damn thing for you and then leave just like just go off stage. (laughs) Pills and Good Advice is essentially that but like in an album because Pills and Good Advice has this sort of like constant like exponential climb up to an absolute meltdown and then there's like a tension release at the like don't cry for me for i found peace in the madness and then it kind of goes back into but on my last day out and it goes back to the beginning almost The reason why I did that in the song is because it's all about getting better. Like the album is about like getting consistently worse until randomly it gets better. And then you feel like you've started back at the beginning where you were like not doing good again. And this album is trying to present that as not necessarily a bad or unique thing because I feel like as a mentally ill person, one thing that I do consistently is whenever I kind of like go back to square one, whenever I like take one step back in my uh, recovery process to my ideal form of mental health, I feel like I slip up and I'm like, oh, I'm back to where I was. I'm hopeless. I can't get better. And then I get better. And then after a while of being better, I go back into that like, oh, wait, hold on. What, what What's this? And then I kind of get worse and worse and then I get better again. What I want to do with this album is I want to present that cycle as not being something that stops, but rather something that is easier to control and easier to handle. And the worst moments get a lot less worse. Left at London switches genres multiple times throughout the tracks on T-I-A-P-F-Y-H. Those genre switches seem to represent a change in mood or mental state. But that wasn't conscious in Nat Puff's mind during the writing process. The nature of mental illness and the ways it 
exits ourself and presents itself is different, like almost every day. Like there are some days when you're like angry in a way that you can't describe. And there's some days when you're like absolutely defeated in a way that you can't describe. And then there's like manic episodes. There's, there's dissociative episodes, all these sorts of things I feel like are unintentionally represented in the genre switches of the song, because that's not what I was intending when I was doing it. But like afterwards, I was like able to look back and be like, oh, I kind of did that. Okay, cool. So, I, I mean, listening to you talk about this album, a question that's come up in my mind, and, and you've kind of covered this, but maybe I'll ask a question a different way. I'm wondering if you can break down like a day in the life in Nat Puff's brain or a week <laughs> in the life, like like for you going through different emotions, like you said, you could be like, you know, manic states, switching to something else. And so how would you describe how your mental state functions and how we kind of see that portrayed throughout this album. I feel like the best way to describe my mental state, like, cause each track represents a different part of my mental state. Like pills and good advice is meant to like talk about like the long drawn out process of trying to heal and not feeling like you are and eventually coming to terms with it, but like also not being fully coming to terms with it. If everything were better than I'm sure I'd be a little less emotional I never really understood what's wrong with me or why I'm unapproachable But every time I close my eyes you're looking quite like my mirror I'm and everything stuttering soliloquies Who am I again? Is this the storm? And then Ballad of Marion Zion check is about like suicidal ideation because of like external circumstances and internal circumstances he wrote a note and left his window several stories high landed abruptly near the car his wife was waiting by they say she changed the day that he died they say she changed the day that he died and then there's a place for you here is about like me finding solace in other living creatures, specifically my cat. And then track four, Out of My Mind, I just made it like a very general song about like feeling like you're going insane, but like still I wanted to have it that have that like happy peppy feeling because I feel like one of my favorite things to do in songwriting is contrast very serious topics with very happy poppy instrumentals. then it could be better is just about like feeling dissatisfied with where I'm at in my career. I, I, I put that on there because that I feel like being in the spotlight has affected my mental health for better or for worse, mostly worse. But like, <laughs> I think that like the way that I t- kind of take it is that like being in the spotlight will mess you up if left unchecked. And so like, no matter how big the spotlight is. Uh, so I tried to, 
represent sort of that frustration of trying to like heal while you're still in the public eye in that song because that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm kind of like burying my soul to a bunch of strangers. Then Kudzu is a track about, I was trying to go sober for a month and just, just to like navigate my relationship to substances. And I feel like I've like gotten to a pretty satisfying point. So like I'll, I'll have like an occasional drink nowadays, but it's like not like a problem now. And so that's what Kudzu is about. And then this is a protest for your heart was definitely like me coming to terms with the fact that I just have the brain of a suicidal person and that doesn't have to be tragic. That doesn't have to be a negative thing as long as I make it as, as long as I can express myself in a way that's not harmful to me or anybody else, then I should be good. How are you gonna live like this? How are you gonna live yourself? I've been hurting too, but nothing would improve much, even if I killed myself. How are you gonna act so sure? Not like that, I got much left. I can cut my breasts up, I can put my fists up, by the way, I can't cheat death. There's a song that I want to talk more about with you, uh, and that is the ballad of Marion Zionchek. Marion born December 5th of Sagittarius. Mother and father, two little sisters, all were immigrants. I mean, it tells a narrative. It tells a full story here. And I'm listening to it, and I was like, is this a real story? And I was like, it has to be. And then I start going through an internet rabbit hole and, and learning all about this politician from Washington State that has a super interesting story. So can you just break down what the story is that you're telling in this song, Ballad of Marion Zionchek? Long story short, Polish immigrant moved to Washington, like when he was like a kid, studied to be a lawyer for 10 years at the University of Washington, then petitioned against Seattle's mayor at the time because that he was trying to sell off Seattle City Light to a private business. So the only reason that Seattle City Light is still a public utility is because of Marion Zionchek. But like, after getting the support of the people and being like this like political figure unintentionally by like trying to recall the mayor, he was like, oh, damn, okay, I guess I can run for Congress. So he runs for Congress, wins in a district that's like normally a Republican district, like he runs as a Democrat. And he gets elected. First, the first term that he has is pretty boring. Like, he's pretty much just, like, doing the books and stuff like that. But he gets reelected, and he starts being a little bit more vocal. He um, he helps sign the New Deal, but he's still, like, very vocally critical about it. And a lot of people in the White House, fellow congressmen and stuff like that, like, were not really digging it. So, like, there was, like, an alliance formed against him, like, a coalition formed against him that was just, like, public smear campaign, stuff like that. He starts kind of going a little bit mad around this time. He starts drinking. He uh, marries a woman that he met like a week before. He, he like took baths in the White House lawn. 
in the, like, in the like fountain. In, in, in the fountain, in the fountain, yeah. And one of my favorite facts about him, which I couldn't fit in the song. Honestly, the song could have been another 10-minute long song, but I was like, I can't do that back to back. But he sent, as a gift, like, from his honeymoon, he sent President Roosevelt a box full of empty beer bottles in mothballs and sent President Hoover a truckload of manure as gifts, which I feel like, I, I feel like he was making a statement there, <laughs> but um, this dude was absolutely nuts. And like, there's so much information on like when he went crazy, but there wasn't any information on what happened beforehand. So what I wanted to do with this song was essentially like illustrate mental decline in an environment of stress. But the most interesting fact that I had to leave out of the song was that supposedly his ghost haunts the Arctic Club uh, in Seattle, where he died. He ended up committing suicide in his office building uh, by jumping out of the window. And so it's said that, like, the article that I read uh, that, that inspired this whole thing, like, pretty much led with that, like, the Arctic Club is haunted. And in the note he said his only hope in life had been that he'd improve upon the way the world was living in But people only knew him as strange The people only knew him as strange And nothing more But I'm wondering, like, you know, I'm listening to the story about Marion Zionchek, and it seems like, you know, someone who had some sort of mental shift and like people probably thought he was crazy, you know, bathing in in, you know, the White House fountains and, you know, things like that. But it also just seems like, you know, someone who may be struggling with something like bipolar, you know, disorder or something like that. And so and I know that, you know, you are very open about your mental health struggles. And so I'm just curious what your take is on Marion Zionchek? Like, is it just someone who was, you know, undiagnosed or misunderstood? Or, I mean, what what do you think your overall takeaway is of his story? Well, like, there are two lines in the song that sort of explain what my sort of general vibe of the story is, which is, number one, were you a genius? Were you a fool or in need of a cure? Wasn't in anger? Wasn't in fear? Or had it been in fervor? And then it goes into the next line, which is... um All the quirks we used to have are now a symptom of acronyms we don't get to know that we're the victims of. And people say that we'll never change. And so, of course, we don't ever change, but still we try. That whole section is the only part where I stop talking about his story. And I just kind of, like, put my own, like, put my own thoughts into the song. All of the quirks we used to have are now a symptom Acronyms we don't get to know that we're the victims of Then people say that we'll never change And so of course we don't ever change But still we try But what about this line that you have? It's, you know, all of the quirks we used to have are now a symptom of acronyms we don't get to know that we're the victims of. What what does that line specifically mean? By, like, acronyms, I mean, like, BPD, PTSD, where it's like, I, I can, I call those acronyms in this case because they are shortened down to acronyms that sort of like are supposed to describe us like the like the pathology of mental illness and mental struggle. 
which like has its ups, has its downs. But if it's dealt by a careless world or careless people, then those acronyms are weapons formed against us. If they're spoken by caring people, then they are ways to sort of help figure out our situation. But the fact of the matter is that like, I mean, like a 1930s sanitarium is not going to be a place where you are allowed to actively heal. Instead, you're going to be repressing a lot for the sake of assimilation. It's 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 like when we put this when we put those labels on, it can, you know, say this person has a problem, you know, and send them away to like an insane asylum back in the day and just and just put them away after they have those acronyms placed on them. Yeah. So it's like I have a lot of mixed feelings about my diagnoses because that like some of them some of them may or may not be accurate. Uh, Like I've been misdiagnosed and diagnosed with pretty much every single major like mental illness like throughout my life like every single one as far as I remember and obviously I can't have every single mental illness but um in terms of Zion Check's story and in terms of like that that acronym line I was just thinking about like how if those acronyms that describe us are put into the wrong hands then we will further repress those emotions and sort of force ourselves to be happy in environments where we're not, which leads us to drastic measures, which is not good. It's not, it's not, it's not a good way to, like, heal. That was my conversation with Nat Puff of Left at London about her new album, T-I-A-P-F-Y-H. Marion born December 5th of Sagittarius Mother and father, two little sisters, all were immigrants America was waiting for you America was waiting for you Marion's family saw his humor as absurdity Nevertheless, he joined the local university And studied for a third of his life he studied for a third of his life and passed the bar. He was a lawyer working for free and was forbidden speech. All the workers that he protects say he practiced what he preached. Hated the mayor, so he petitioned to recall the guy. For he attempted selling off Seattle City Like 200,000 names on the form 200,000 names on the form He with the people on his side became a congressman Winning a district often taken by Republicans To Washington from Washington State To Washington from Washington State At 32 
Returning home announces re-election Then called the campaign off again Almost as if becoming lesser like yourself had been an art Mary, less subdued and sober, saw the world observe and fall apart He wrote a note and left his window several stories high Landed abruptly near the car His wife was waiting by They say she changed the day that he died They say she changed the day that he died And in the note he said His only hope in life had been That he'd improve upon the way The world was living in But people only knew him as strange the people only knew him as strange and nothing more Were you a genius? Were you a fool or in need of a cure? Was it in anger? Was it in fear? Or had it been in We used to have are now a symptom Acronyms we don't get to know That we're the victims of Then people say that we'll never change And so of course we don't ever change But still we try That was Sound and Vision. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, and consider giving a one-time $20 donation to help support this show at kexp.org slash sound. Thanks for listening.